Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead better where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. You will know that church leading does not always go well. Pastors, ministers and vicars have had bruising times and some sadly have left their role feeling exhausted, depressed and stressed. At the heart of the issue is the culture of the church and the expectations with respect to the church leader. So to, to discuss this uh, role and this issue, I'm joined today by the founding director of Living Leadership, Marcus Honeyset, who recently celebrated 10 years in the role and has been a frequent guest on the show. So Marcus, lovely to have you back. It's nice to be back, Andy. Good stuff. Um, at the heart of... Um, uh, let me just go forward a bit now. So we've spoken on the show before about the challenges that ministers, uh, vicars and church leaders face. A, a quick recap, perhaps, on why uh, we're looking at these issues and why it's been important to you. I suppose the short answer to that is that we need spiritually revitalised leaders. Show me leaders who are full of the joy of the Lord, who are delighting in his grace, who are aware of the power of God in their lives, and generally I'll show you a flourishing church. But conversely, where leaders are isolated, where they bear many pressures that nobody knows anything about, where they end up spinning too many plates to keep everybody happy, you're probably going to see a church that is heading for some difficulties. So spiritually flourishing churches are led by spiritually flourishing leaders. My question, I think, for every congregation member is, uh, do you know that they are? Do you know who is feeding the people who feed you? Or indeed, even if they are being fed. Right. Yeah. So uh, uh, when, when things go pear-shaped with a church leader, there's, there's a, a myriad of reasons. I've, I've just come up with a few. Um, you can maybe add your, your own a bit later. Um, but the, the church leader themselves, um, and obviously this may apply to many listening, what kind of signs may, might indicate that all is not well uh, for them? I'll never forget when I was a cheeky young evangelist in my 20s, um, asking two very well-known older ministers what God was doing in their lives at the time. And one paused and said, nobody's asked me that for five years, and the other one burst into tears. Oh, boy. <laughs> he said he simply didn't know how to answer the question. That's a sign that not all is well. But, you know, you would never have guessed. Right. Oh. <laughs> You'd never have guessed. Uh, Eugene Peterson, the man who did the paraphrase of the message, says there's no profession where hiding is easier than being a church leader or where the masks uh, are, are greater. So I think a sign for leaders is what are our spiritual habits like? Uh, do we know that we're drawing regularly from the wells of salvation? Do we have daily and monthly habits that are keeping us close mm. to the Lord, leading out of a centre of spiritual healthiness? Or... Do we know that those have actually got squeezed out in order to keep all the activities running and the expectations, all those plates spinning? It's so easy to do. Hmm. And when you're a leader, you can fool yourself for a while. But when you run dry, and you always will, uh, all of a sudden you haven't got any foundations for leading anymore. Hmm. Every leader in their 30s never thinks that's going to happen to them. Every leader in their 40s knows the danger of that, I think. Yeah, no, sure. Um, uh, Assuming, of course, they've they've been a leader previous uh, to that, yeah, but yeah, sure. I guess it does stretch a bit um, if you've if you've started a bit later. But um, inevitably, we also come to to what we call terms of employment. I, I realise that's that's loaded language. Um, the expectation of the office holder is is sometimes used. Um, 
I mean, you know, some some people are in church leadership and they're they're doing a job in a sense. They're employed by the church. Some some are you know they have a stipend under the maybe the Church of England or something like that. So I appreciate the language is different, but um, uh, is it in your experience that um, that people are given job descriptions if they're given them at all that are impossible or are they simply assumed that they will do the impossible what's what's your feel uh, sometimes i have the privilege of helping leaders who've got stuck um, and oftentimes they're going to feel that their spiritual life has got into the doldrums at exactly the same point as their church has and mm. those two kind of feed each other uh, one of the first questions I like to ask is, can I see your job description? And if they're stuck, I'll give you pretty high odds that either there isn't much of one or there's one that the Archangel Gabriel needn't apply mm. to do. Uh, and I think it's also quite common to see job descriptions that assume that the paid minister isn't, in fact, there to equip every disciple in the church for their ministry, to do Ephesians 4, mm. um, releasing and facilitating the ministry of the saints. But in fact, to do all the ministry for them and to have everything just lumped on them. Uh, if that doesn't lead to impossibility at the start, it inevitably does by about seven years in as they accumulate more and more responsibilities and activities that other people don't want to do, think that the church should do, but the leader doesn't really feel able to say no to. So I think it does come down to a question of clarity between leaders and churches on mutually shared expectations. What do we do and what don't we do, mm. critically? Your no's give value to your yeses. Right, right. And while the good job description isn't the cure-all for all of that, it can be pretty helpful. Yeah, yeah. Which which links, of course, with the, with church members' unwritten mindsets with respect to the senior leader. Um, uh, I mean, do, do you think churches need educating on what to expect? Is that part of the issue? Is it... You know, should the church leader speak up more? Uh, what, what's what? Talk through this. Some of the, I realise some of these are psychological kind of. It's one of the truisms, isn't it, <laughs> that uh, church leaders find it very difficult to talk about giving because everybody thinks they're after a pay rise. Yeah. Um, and I think that talking generally about matters of leadership and how churches should be led is very difficult for ministers and churches to do. Maybe we should swap over more and talk to other people's churches mm. uh, about that. I think Second Timothy is entirely a book about how to lead and for churches about mm. how to be led. But I was chatting to um, a minister a few weeks ago and he's been in his job 11 years, he's early 50s, and he's found himself wrestling with this combination. He's doing too much, he's doing a greater range of things than he was originally called to do or that he's gifted at. He has a wider span of relationships that is sustainable. He has borne some of the costs of leadership that every leader knows about, the kinds of things, the decisions you have to take, but you cannot defend when the criticism comes your way. He's been a focus for everybody's aspirations for the church and their spiritual lives and every piece of criticism. And 11 years in, his energy levels aren't what they were and his family situation has changed. So we took a little look at his list of responsibilities and it was very obvious that some renegotiating was needed and I said that to him and his very first words were, I can't ask to renegotiate this because my church will say you're the one who's paid to do it all. And I thought that was very revealing, very common. Um, leaders usually don't like to say no. And churches don't really understand what they do day to day, so leaders get subtly validated mm. by the approval that goes with lots of visible activity. Mm. 
and they get criticised when they don't deliver the activity. Yeah. So um, do churches need educating? Some people in the church, ideally officers, church wardens, elders, whatever it is in your situation, have to have a clear eye on what is doable and what isn't doable. So they, they've got to know how long it takes to prepare a service or a good sermon. They should have some idea how long a minister is spending in confidential pastoral visits that nobody knows anything about. They should have some idea of what the emotional consequences of that pastoring is and so on. And they've got to protect paid leaders from unrealistic requests and demands. Mm. I think that if nobody in the church has that view, you end up with leaders um, who everybody think are infinitely stretchable. You know, you know how school children think that teachers live in the stationary cupboard and only emerge <laughs> to serve them. Yeah. I think that lots of churches think that pastors live in the vestry yeah, yeah. and emerge to do all their favourite stuff and don't actually have any lives. Mm-hmm. No, sure. Um, I mean, you've hinted already very helpfully sort of little illustrations of people you've chatted with. Uh, I mean, maybe you have some people in mind for whom things have not gone well. Maybe they've left um, pastoral ministry, which may in God's purposes, you know, be be appropriate. They may be gone on to other things and better things. But, but nevertheless, it's it's not good when, sadly, some people leave um, unha- unhappily. So without betraying confidence, can you talk in general terms of the, the sort of situations that maybe church leaders have faced that you've come across? I think the worst case scenario for church leaders is that they operate simultaneously as the focus of everybody's hopes for the church and their spiritual lives and as the focus for every piece of criticism. Mm. And, you know, if you only offer a criticism in your church once a year and you don't know that anybody else is, then you think that the church is a pretty uncritical place, but you're unaware that your pastor's getting ten a week, Mm. (laughs) um, if you do the maths. Uh, That's a pretty bad hammer and anvil to be caught between, especially if you lead on your own. And subjectively, you don't have anywhere to to go with that. I think the temptation to try to please everybody rather than drawing lines almost inevitably after a period, particularly around the seven-year-and-on mark, leads to debilitation, spiritual dryness, resentment, and possibly damage to home and marriage as well as you spend more and more time out of the home trying to meet every expectation on your church. Uh, One vicar a little while ago showed me his list of responsibilities for the three churches that he pastors, and it just went on and on and on. The accounts, seeing to the roof and catching the mice and everything. (laughs) Uh, He was an extreme case, I think, but it was no surprise that his worship life had gone out of the window and his marriage was suffering. Um, I think it's probably worth saying there may be some difference in generational attitudes. So generation, I think, uh, slightly older than me, said, we're going into ministry and we're going to die. And they did. They took their coffins with them. Uh, I think the generation coming takes a look at some of the sacrifices made that were perhaps a little bit more about being macho than being biblical. And they want to protect themselves from the damage to families that they saw being modelled there. But maybe with a slight temptation to swing the pendulum the other way and forget that ministry is hard work. Hmm. Uh, I've met several younger ministry couples recently where the spouse told me that nobody prepared them for evenings apart or even told them there would be any. Um, or there would be times that people are in your home or there are expectations on you. One said, well, hang on a minute, is this not my husband's job? I expect him to do a ring-fenced 40-hour a week like everybody else. It's not a calling that I share. Well, 
that way lies a different kind of difficulty, but it is still about shared expectations. Yeah, yeah sure. We're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. We're looking uh, this week at uh, the whole issue of, of caring for church leaders, um, particularly some of the struggles and, str and stresses they are, with, with Marcus Honeysett, who's the uh, founding director of Living Leadership. We'll be back just after this. Well, welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by the founding director of Living Leadership, Marcus Honeysett. We're looking at the, the whole issue of um, helping uh, church leaders to have a sustainable ministry. Uh, sadly, some um, find themselves burned out, stressed, uh, ending up leaving local church life uh, and work, uh, somebody, sometimes sadly, uh, the faith itself. And uh, we're looking at some of the issues surrounding that and, and what we can do to, uh, to, to kind of counter some of the, the stresses that we find. Um, I've hinted, um, Marcus, that um, there are two ways of viewing church ministry. There's the language of employee and the language of office holder. Uh, maybe you can e explore a little bit more for us what's meant by those kind of terms and the implication that might have uh, on um, on these issues of, 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 of stress. Okay, well you said at the top of the show, Andy, that different denominations and streams mm. view things slightly differently, and, and that's true. For example, in 2015, a court ruled that Church of England vicars who have the freehold aren't employed by the church, but by God. <laughs> so they're office holders, not employees, and yeah. that, has, uh, that has contractual obligations. Basically, the deal is that an employee has an employer to whom they are accountable and whose instructions they follow. Uh, the employer determines the duties. An office holder is different because the tasks aren't defined by the employer, but by the office. And rights and duties aren't decided in negotiation between the person and the organisation. They're defined by the constitution of the organisation. Uh, it makes some practical differences in the UK. So employees can claim national minimum wage, working time regulations, pension obligations, rights to um, unfair dismissal and a contract, those kinds of things. And generally speaking, where uh, the post is an office holder, not an employee, they can't do that. So there are obviously all kinds of benefits to being an employee. But a big one of being an office holder is that you might be protected from having um, an employer board who at one time or another actually doesn't understand the job. Mm. Uh, but as long as you're doing what is in the Constitution, you're protected. Nobody can force you to do what is outside the rules or the Constitution of the church. That would be the basic distinction right. between employee and office holder. Because one of the one of the issues for some churches is uh, church members and uh, is, is appraisal. Yeah. Is that okay? Um, you know, if if someone's if someone's overdoing it, or if someone's not doing what they ought to be doing, perhaps, then appraisal is the conversation. And I'm just wondering if you're if you're an office holder, say say you're a Church of England vicar, so you have freehold. Um, wonderfully, that that if if you have a good vicar, then then they can get on and preach the gospel regardless of almost whether church members want that or not. But 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 conversely, they can they're a law unto themselves potentially. So the whole point of an appraisal is that it has to be something that um, frees leaders from anxiety that damages their joy in Jesus, gets the church flourishing, establishes mutual expectations together, and helps and encourages somebody to do the job that needs to be mm. done. Um, and if that's not why an appraisal is going to take place, if there's not going to be that kind of win out of it, then... My guess is that 
uh, appraisal can be quite a negative experience mm. uh, every way round. Mm. Um, but you know, where there's uh, the opportunity to review progress with prayerful joy together, and to help an employee or office holder, whoever they are, um, uh, work with conditions that are clear, then you're likely to have a helpful process. I think whichever way around it is, the main point remains that an appraisal is a tool for helping the mission of the church and the flourishing of the individual. So they've got to be about fostering a relationship of mutual love and respect and generosity. Uh, they should have uh, an opportunity to prayerfully create support for leaders and their families and their discipleship walk and their ministry development as well as are you actually functioning in the mm. task. I think appraisals are difficult in ministry um, because what measures of success do you use for church leadership? Mm. Yeah, prayerfulness? Well, how would you know? Mm. Um, everybody's favourite activity is running nicely. Well, what if they aren't what the church should be doing? But people will be critical at appraisal time because their favourite stuff isn't, isn't happening. Appraisals work best when they are conducted by people who have some good insight into the unique pressures of church leadership. I saw one recently that was done by good people, good process, but the action point outcomes just weren't achievable and they were all outside the person's spiritual gifts. He basically wasn't being benchmarked against his gifting and calling, uh, but that's what he's going to be appraised against next time. So appraisals, I think, are hard for ministry, but if everybody approaches them with uh, the right attitude for flourishing together, leaders and churches, mm. in the work of the gospel and a lot of prayerfulness, then they can be a very positive mm. experience. Okay. Thank you. No, that's, that's really, really helpful. Um, I, I mean, one of the issues surround concerns the perceived challenges of, uh, quote, spiritual work, and you've, you've talked already about the uniqueness of a, of a church leader. And I've, I've heard ch church members say, ah, they they're skeptical about the challenge, the spiritual challenges because they say well i'm a i'm a leader in my you know in my business or wherever and i'm seeking to serve the kingdom there mm -hmm. and i'm not not and they, they wouldn't question for one minute the challenges of a church leader they would just say that they too face those challenges so um it would be useful useful just to discuss that a little bit uh, everybody has pressures mm. sometimes a lot of pressure Everybody has pressures that are unique to their particular job and situation in life mm. that nobody else gets. Mm. Uh, but there are lots of pressures that are unique to church leaders. The, the, the difference is that um, we want our church leaders to be the most spiritually refreshed and revitalized because they're the ones who feed everybody else. Mm. If a church leader is just um, sinking under the demands and pressures of their job, like other people do, well, they may have nothing else to feed you with when you come to church on Sunday. Mm. So uh, just to list a few that are unique to church leaders that are fairly obvious. So they live with a high degree of public exposure, and mm. so do their families. Uh, they're often the ones who feed others but don't have that reciprocated mm -hmm. and that can end up with the ridiculous situation of the people who feed other people in the church being among the least fed themselves and that way lies shipwreck sooner or later. I do think that you get um, a lack of mutual understanding and, and therefore unrealistic expectations of simply what is possible to do mm. so nobody knows how long it takes to prepare a, a, a sermon or a bible study or a service or whatever it is 
nobody knows uh, the demands that you're dealing with pastorally and everybody thinks you're infinitely stretchable. And combine that with no easy measures of success can mean that lots and lots of church leaders are doing 70 hours a week at the outside edge of the possible all the time, but nobody realises it. Um, you have the emotional drain of giving out empathetically all the time. You're often unable to share that burden with anybody. You're unable to defend yourself when things go wrong without breaking confidences. And unlike just about anybody else, and this has been said to me a couple of times by new ministers recently, we never realised that there are no easy distinctions between home life, leisure, church, work and your friendship group if you're in Christian ministry. If things go wrong at church, they tend to impact all of those as well. Yeah, yeah. And I could, I could add another 20 things to the list, but all of those things lead to spiritual drain. Mm. Now, spiritual poverty doesn't affect most other people's ability to do their job. Mm. If you're not in a good place with God, you can still go into school and be a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does potentially affect church leaders a lot. If you're giving out all the time and you simply can't see how to replenish, then the temptation mm. to live exhausted but to wear a mask so that nobody knows or to struggle with an, uh, a besetting pattern of sin and have nowhere to go with that and fear that if anybody knew you'd lose your job when nobody else would. Mm. All those things are very real, I think, for church leaders, and they're different to anybody else. No, sure. Okay. Um, so just as we close, a couple of things to mention, Marcus, that Living Leadership are doing. One is the... Uh, is that they're publishing documents that will help provide a way of helping those who serve a church in a part-time and full-time supported role. Um, a, a little bit more about those documents maybe and then we'll talk about the pastoral refreshment conference as well. So, yeah. so we've had a development group um, working on a toolkit for pastoral well-being of church leaders and the first two parts of that are available on our website www.livingleadership.org. Um, that's a code of best practice for um, care of church leaders and uh, a first supporting document about how to create a culture of care in your church. Basically they're there to help churches and leaders have good shared expectations of each other that are well informed about what church leadership actually entails because so many instances of ministry failure or breakdown between a leader and a church finally can be traced back to lack of clarity or unrealistic expectations. So our working group hope that the toolkit is going to help promote positive, grace-filled relationships and spiritual health of leaders. It's all freely available. Splendid. And and uh, the Pastor Refreshment Conference, you've, you've mentioned that before on the on the leadership file, but it's, it's kind of expanding, thankfully. So. Um, yeah. Uh, so we've had uh, two conferences in February up till now, three this time round, new one in the Lake District in partnership with our friends at Keswick Ministries uh, on beautiful Lake Windermere. So just a few weeks' time... Um, they're the high point of my year. Someone said to me recently, um, I've found the genuine antidote to Christian conferences and this is it. Uh, we like to think they're oases of grace for leaders and spouses to come and be filled up by Jesus again and enjoy being worshipping Christians without having to think about being leaders. So there are still places, great places to come and be refreshed. Get in touch, we'd love to see you. And what sort of days of the week are they? Um, uh, one's Monday to Wednesday, one's Wednesday to Friday, and one's Tuesday to Thursday. Okay, so <laughs> take your pick, whichever whichever your, is going to work for you. Yes, wonderful. Well, livingleadership.org is the uh, website you need to go to. Um, so www.livingleadership.org, and um, you'll find uh, other resources there to, to help you in your leadership. So, Marcus, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Terrific to, to chat with Marcus this week on uh, this this vexed issue, but but a real issue. Uh, maybe you're listening and you're 
you're feeling under pressure and burdened by um, the demands that you're facing and uh, maybe you need to listen back to some of the things that Marcus was saying and and maybe uh, have those conversations that may be difficult but maybe necessary if you're going to keep uh, your head above water at a uh, maybe a challenging time. So uh, my joy to have welcomed Marcus Honeyset uh, from Living Leadership this week. Uh, do log on to Premier's website. You can uh, listen to archived versions of a leadership file on the on-demand section. You go to, go to iTunes and you can get uh, the um, uh, uh, archive there uh, permanently. Uh, you can even sign up and get them uh, every, every week uh, downloaded to your listening device. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premiere. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.